Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 72. Uh, back to business, um, back to regular programming, because um, Josh is back, um, thanks to Tom Horks of the uh, Monkey Sea Podcast for coming on last week and uh, filling in admirably. Um, gave him a better time to do it so it wouldn't be ridiculous. That would also probably help. Uh, but before we get into um, everything in our usual open, I want to give, uh, send condolences, both uh, uh, Josh and I, to uh, the, the, ha- the family of Robert Foote, who, was, um, who passed away after an accident uh, at Brands Hatch when a car spun off the track. Um, I'm not, it doesn't say where, but um, I kind of have an idea where. The Brabham Strait is what the article says. Brabham Strait, okay. So, um, so there, so that's uh, it's a shame. Uh, he's a, a mayor of a local town he was in and council member. So, it's a shame, 67 year old gentleman. So, um, condolences and um, prayers um, to the his family. And, um, you know, it's a sad, um, you know, thing when you, somebody loses their life, no matter what, but you know, it's like when something like that and a um, freak accident kind of deal, Jimmy Broadbent talked about it on his channel. Cause Brit car was racing there. I think touring cars, the British touring car championship was there. Um, you know, so there is, it was a busy weekend. Uh, we also want to um, give our um, thoughts uh, to, and, um, Best wishes to Jack Aiken and Davide Rigon, who were both um, injured after um, an accident coming out of Eau Rouge and going in a Radion uh, at the 24 Hours of Spa. Um, they, um, there's, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's pretty um, insane, uh, the crash. I, I only saw um, a, a clip from a local camera person and basically there's just there's just uh sheer demolition one car hits the tires coming out of the exit of Eau Rouge and spins out in the middle of the track and next thing you know I think Jack Aiken's I think that was Jack Aiken's car goes and slams in the back of said car which I assume is Davide Rigon car and um so hopefully those guys will be um, okay in due time and recover. Um, Aiken is the only uh, Williams driver or Williams Jr. driver at the moment that has the super license points to actually move up to F1. Um, that will be something that hopefully once he recovers can be brought up in regards to the possibility of him getting a seat. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Josh, uh, before we get on with the show, I mean, it's crazy, you know, how this racing deal is. It can, we've talked about, you know, serious accidents and deaths, but it's not, it's not just there at the end of the day, we're all people and we're all humans and we all have to take care of one another. It's just a shame how things happen every once in a while, which kind of bring us back to earth and bring us back to the realities of the world. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, gives you perspective and, um, you know, it humbles you, I guess, and you have to kind of consider things and, and then, you know, you move on, but 
um, of course, like all the racers, you know, they'll um, remember, like they'll remember the marshal and they'll race with heavy hearts, but you know, they, um, they'll continue to race and, and they'll think of that guy or um, in case of the, the spa crash, um, I, you know, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible accident, but at the same time, you know, the, um, they still have to race and continue on. And, um, you know, you just have to, um, it's, it's always something you have to think about in the back of your mind when you, you know, when you hop into a race car and, uh, you know, you take the risk of, uh, getting an accident like that, getting hurt or, you know, potentially dying. So, um, uh, just, uh, like you said, thoughts and prayers out to, uh, both, uh, of the people involved in those accidents and, um, just, uh, you know, unfortunate that it happened, but, um, you know, it's just how it is. And, uh, you have to, um, be able to process it and, and, um, you know, move on with it. So, uh, unfortunate that it did happen though. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a sad thing. It's something that you don't want to see. Um, I mean, there are segments of our population that seemingly are like that, um part of the reason why covid is taking off again but um that's beside the point uh if you were listening to the show you probably know who we are i'm philip matthew and that the guy that was just talking is my co-host and right hand man and the smarter one of the two of us definitely um and the better race car driver too and that's josh Fine, the number one uh, trevor lawrence fan i think other than his wife Oh yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, it's about that time of the year again, um, and you know that. The, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Training camp. You know, I I didn't go to training camp. But, I mean, I I think I probably could have had the opportunity, but I would um, uh, to work instead and had to do that. But uh, uh, the opportunity to see Trevor Lawrence, or at least in video, was pretty good. And you know, seeing the ball come out of his hands has a lot of velocity. And being able to see that, that really shows uh, what kind of player he is. But, um, you know, glad to be back on the show after last week. You know, thanks to Tom for being able to fill in. Appreciate the um, him being able to do that. And you know, he's always a friend of the pod, being able to come on here and, and discuss racing with us. But, um, you know, had a great vacation, uh, you know, being able to relax. Uh, you just basically hung out at the beach for a week and uh, went, you know, swam in the ocean. Uh, did some uh, fishing and all that. Uh, saw saw a couple of movies. Read read some books. Uh, read read um, Indie Split by uh, John Oryokovitz. Uh, that's a really really good book. Um, yep. Showing the uh, story of the Indie Split, you know, all the way back, starting from when the Holman family took over it in the fifties and the you know late forties, and then all the way to now when Roger Penske and of course the split that happened in nineteen ninety six and the first split with Cart in seventy eight with USAC and all the way up to now when uh, Roger Penske bought the series. So really good book, you know, if you're interested in learning about um, the IndyCar series and its history and the problems it's had, and also um, you know, gives you hope for uh, the future of it as well. So, you know, great relax and being able to uh, do that, but glad to be back on here. Yep. I'm going to be on that train here in a couple of days. I'll actually have a few weeks off from uh, after finishing the summer program at the school I'm working at, and it'll be great. And it's a good idea. The reading idea is a good one. Probably fitness is a better idea too for me. Holding practice and, you know, taking care of the family and taking care of the home and whatever else we have to do, but relaxation and getting into the swing, getting into the routine and 
um, getting back into certain things, uh, certain stuff like, you know, the racing is going to be back now. Basically, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, Formula One uh, is going to be off now for three weeks, but then they'll be busy. Uh, IndyCar's back now, more or less, till the middle of September. NASCAR's going until November. Uh, so we're we're going to be busy with that. The GSP will talk about all that. We'll also talk about football when we get a chance, uh, especially once the league starts, which is the draft September is, 9. Well, the yeah. first Thursday night is September 9. But yeah, when's the draft, though, for us? Draft is on the 22nd. So we have 18 days. So we'll probably do a little bit of fantasy talk here in a couple of weeks time. There will be a live uh, Zoom uh, pre-show, pre and post or pre and uh, during the draft and whatever. And that'll be organized by me. Hopefully I, I've got 10 people. I've got two people in my bowling league that are going to join. I just have to talk to them and can make them sign up because hopefully they're not as bad as Vic. Who's Yeah, but we'll talk about all that um, in more detail. Uh, last week, we had one of the craziest race Formula One races in recent memory. And it saw the Hungarian Grand Prix saw Esteban Ocon beat Sebastian Vettel on track for his first career F1 win. Um, there was plenty of stuff that went on. A lot of it involved Mercedes, good, bad, and indifferent, mostly bad. Um, Red Bulls, the last couple of races have not been very positive uh then williams getting point double points i mean there is so much stuff that went on we'll get into all that we will preview the nashville grand prix indycar race it's going to be a busy weekend there uh on the streets of nashville around the nissan stadium where the tennessee tuxedos as a boomer like to call them the tennessee titans uh play they'll see uh jim johnson return maybe you'll have a little better chance because everybody else is new to the track uh it'll be a deeper field it's talks about how the silly season and some of the things that are going on we talked about it last week on the show too uh we'll also get into Watkins len triple header weekend trucks uh, have their regular season finale uh, there this Saturday, uh, John Hunter's already won the regular season title and Ross Chastain's brother will be making his truck debut and Paul Menard randomly will be, uh, making a return. So amongst other things, the Xfinity race is the Xfinity race. You figure either Chev, was it, uh, AJ Allmaning or, or Cindric are going to win the race, um, unless other things happen really, um, Cup race, we'll get into more detail. Uh, there is a little more intrigue there. The roundup, we'll get into Formula 3 and W Series uh, at the Hungaro Ring. Uh, there was touring cars, uh, British touring cars. I'll find that information. Um, M IMSA at Road America this weekend for the Road America 500. Uh, MotoGP, Moto2, Styrian Grand Prix, so the first of two races at Red Bull Ring. Danny Pedrosa uh, famously rode for Repsol Honda for many years, uh, crashed into the late, great Nikki Hayden, 
in 2006 and almost cost him the world championship. Uh, but Nikki Hayden was able to hold on and win. Uh, DTMs at Zolder, you know, look up those other racing series that ran uh, last week. And then um, if we have time, football, we'll get into it. Uh, Trey Lance was based on one report called Patrick Mahomes 2.0. Uh, there's talks about trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and he has a lot of value. And considering the Niners gave up a bunch of firsts to get Trey Lance, who knows? We'll see what happens. Indianapolis doesn't have a right guard or a quarterback right now because of a foot injury. So there might be a place there amongst other places. I know um, Josh doesn't have to worry about a quarterback for the first time in a long time. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, there are other places, though, that kind of are in an issue. So we'll we we'll might get into that. We'll see where it goes. Uh, Josh already told us a little bit about what he did on his vacation. So we'll we'll see what he's done so far in his return on the sim. Um, if he's had any time in Nashville or anything, but uh, we'll talk about that and then we'll close it up for the day. Also want to give a shout out to the Karen that complained about me on the F1 Grid Talk podcast uh, because I was pretty um, flip, I guess, or she didn't understand my sarcasm or sense of humor in regards to the Verstappen v. Hamilton incident, um, mainly because I can't stand Red Bull. Um, and she accused me of not liking anybody or anything in Formula One, which, um, quite frankly, I love the sport. I'm just, and I know the sport. And I'm very opinionated, but I'm also, you know, in a joking manner. I kind of like to get the, everybody else laughing and saying things that'll make everybody else laugh because I want to keep it loose. Um, Josh understands that. But then, of course, and the people that I'm on the show with generally are good, too. They laugh. They like it. The fact is they're going to keep inviting me on. And that Karen probably is not going to listen. And quite frankly, she can go fuck herself. Uh, I, I just, I just, let me, I want to interrupt there, but like, it's just, it's funny how they just like think like, oh, you don't like the sport and you don't like anybody. That's just funny to me the way, the way that you put that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, no, I, I don't like Egghead and I don't like Lance Stroll or Nicholas Latifi, but then I explain why I don't like those guys. And the irony in Nicholas Latifi is, is something which we'll have to discuss here in a moment, but. Lance Stroll, it's explainable. And he did something that gave him penalty points on Sunday because he drove like a bowling ball the same way as Valtteri Bottas. Um, this is what's going to count as a segue here on this show because the fact of the matter is that Karen pissed me off that because she got pissed that I called Horner Karen Horner. I mean, the guy, if he isn't whining and bitching and moaning about something, he doesn't have a purpose in life. He sits there, he's a cuckold watching jerry go and blow three guys what the hell is he doing otherwise if he's not blowing uh a helmet marco and he's blowing somebody at honda if he's not blowing that then he's watching jerry blow somebody i mean come on let's be clear here max verstappen's a uh, look at that guy look at his freaking duck lips and and i mean he's with nelson pk's daughter so and probably a bitch um and even if she isn't a bitch it's whatever i don't really care i just assume because the fact of the matter is Nelson PK Jr. is a bitch. Uh, so, and Nelson PK made a career out of being an asshole too. So it's kind of like heredity. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to offend more people now. I, just, I don't care. Um, I'm going on vacation. 
um, and I'm chilling and we're going to have fun. And if other people want to get off on making our lives miserable, well, you know, go, you can go and say, I don't care. It's my show. It's our show. Sorry. It's our show. It's your show. Josh is not in the fact of the matter is free reign. People are going to listen, not going to listen. It's life. My life ain't going to change one way or the other. The fact of the matter is Brett Griffin probably is going to block me at some point too, because he's a pussy and he's a terrible spotter. All he is is a freaking, uh, he's a, he's a freaking ball licker inbred who goes and, and, and goes and shills for like the lowest common denominator because he is. And that's why he was with Elliot Sadler for years. And then he's with Clint Boyer. It makes sense. You're an LCD inbred that probably bangs a cow. And now you're now you're just a sponsor shill for a freaking Matt Colley. Once Matt Colley figures out that the guy's an inbreeder, he might just throw him out the side and do us all a favor. Throw him off the side of the freaking truck, one of the trucks. But um, sorry about that. I got kind of got going there. Um, so, yeah, Formula One. Uh, Hungarian Grand Prix. Uh, Valtteri Botas decided to uh, throw a strike in the first corner uh, on intermediate tires, and he did. He took out everybody that's battling for third place, including himself, in the points in the Drivers' Championship. He also got into both Red Bulls, which kind of made me happy, honestly, because just to see them whine and moan kind of just make brings joy. Um, Max Verstappen's car being destroyed doesn't really bother me that much. Uh, Perez, it kind of does because it sounds like Perez might be in trouble, but we, we don't know. Uh, Esteban Ocon and Sebastian Vettel were the two biggest beneficiaries because Mercedes dick stepped themselves and decided to keep Lewis Hamilton out on the racetrack. Um, there's rules stating you can't say anything leading up to a start, but for all intents and purposes, Lewis was saying the track was dry and I don't know what they discussed prior to the race start there, the restart there, but everybody else pitted. I mean, even Giovinazzi who had pitted prior to the initial start, put slicks on couldn't make it through that lap to the point where he or he went and pitted anyway. I think he got a 10 second stop go too in the process, but uh, he ended up having to he pitted too. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, I think he should have probably stayed out. It wouldn't have looked as bad as freaking Lewis Hamilton being the only one. But that was the beginning of what became a cluster of a day for Mercedes. Um, well, it was a cluster of day because Valtteri did what he did. Um, I mean, the, we'll get into more details, but the fact is Esteban Ocon, who a few weeks ago was in hibernation, signed a three-year extension, and it didn't make sense why he got a three-year extension. Well, now we know why he has a three-year extension, and he's probably going to be the lead dog um, once Fred Alonso uh, calls it quits. Uh, he went out there and he beat a four-time world champion on merit. Uh, the Endstone team went out there and won their first race since uh, Kimi Raikkonen, I think Australian Grand Prix 2013 or something. And, I mean, first Grand Prix win for him after he finished second at the, at the Secure Grand Prix uh, last November. 
Uh, big deal for him. Big deal for Alpine. Uh, Sebastian Vettel finished second. They said that he didn't have enough fuel to give us the, his car didn't have enough fuel for a sample. And then they disqualified him, even though he finished second, did the podium the whole bit. So everybody moves up. Lewis Hamilton finished third. Um, so he moved up to second. Um, let's go over here. Let me just bring this up. Yeah. So Vettel was DQ'd. So Hamilton and signs are the podium. Alonzo, uh, fourth, Gasly, fifth, Yuki Sonoda, sixth, Nicholas Latifi, finished seventh. I'll, I'll repeat that. Nicholas Latifi finished seventh in a Formula One race um, in a Williams. George Russell scored points in a Williams. Uh First stop and finish ninth. Kimi Raikkonen hit everything but the lottery. He was part of the reason why Lewis couldn't win the race. Uh, finished tenth. Daniel Ricciardo had a nightmare of a day and f- didn't even score points in McLaren, which is fucking pathetic. And I'm a Daniel Ricciardo fan. Um, Schumacher and Giovinazzi are the last two finishers. Egghead. Um, got run over by Kimi Raikkonen uh, before Kimi Raikkonen was just a moving chicane and then also assisted uh, Fred Alonso in his um, defense like he was the Chicago Bears in 1986 on Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Lando, Botas, Perez, uh, Leclerc, who was taken out by Lance Stroll uh, because he's Lance Stroll. Uh, so that was the six DNFs there. So only 14 finishers, 13 classified because Sebastian Vettel was disqualified. Uh, I was talking to my coworker and I'm like, the reason why they disqualified him was because of his defiance with the whole, um, you know, the LGBTQ thing and wearing the shirt and all that. And they're like, well, we're mad that you did that. And you basically broke protocol. And you raced, you ran this race. And I'm like, if he had won the race, they wouldn't have done that. Um, because he finished second, they're like, that's yeah, whatever. Um, get him where it hurts. They're going to appeal it, Aston Martin and all that. But I think, honestly, because of his takes and his views and all that, the way he was outspoken about it with the LGBTQ deal, um, Lewis, of course, supports that too. Uh, they basically screwed him over that way. I'm sure they could say that it was short of fuel, but then you'd have to question Esteban Ocon because he stopped his car too uh, short of the pits or whatever. He was or just past the pits. He drove around for not like, so why wasn't he questioned? Or there was other cars that were running out of fuel. Why, why is it only Sebastian Vettel? Uh, but that's, I guess, a side story. Uh, what were your thoughts on, and what did you, I mean, what do you think is a lot to unpack here, Josh, in regards to this race? I mean, yeah, it's a lot to unpack, but I I thought this was a, probably one of the better, uh, races this year so far, probably the one, probably the the second best, maybe even the the best race of the year so far. Um, if you, you know, the last two races in formula one have been probably the 
two best races so far. And I, I actually might want to rank this one above uh, the British Grand Prix um, because of the way that it turned out with the first time winner and the defense with Alonzo against Hamilton and the, the first lap crash and, and all that stuff. When you, when you consider all that, that's, that's what I think. But um, you know, with Alonzo versus Hamilton, that was vintage Alonzo. Um, and also I think maybe even a little bit of, uh, you know, going back to 2007 with, uh, Alonzo and, uh, Lewis Hamilton when they were teammates at McLaren and they, uh, weren't really on, you know, the best of terms and everything. And, and, uh, that all kind of boiled over and into kind of a scandal. And then, you know, Fred left, uh, McLaren and went on and, you know, Lewis went on one his first title the year later, but, um, you know, with, with that, that was, uh, I like the, the way, uh, Alonzo was able to keep defense and, um, keep Lewis Hamilton from passing him. You know, Lewis had a lot of opportunities to try to get around, uh, Alonzo on the outside, but wasn't able to do it. You know, uh, Alonzo made his car wide enough, uh, throughout the corners to, uh, be able to keep, uh, Hamilton at bay. But then, you know, at the, you know, at the end of the day, he was uh, unable to um, keep him from getting past because uh, he did overrun turn one and then Lewis finally able to get alongside him and then get by. Uh, but still, that was a pretty master class of uh, defense in in terms of uh, you know race and uh, um, just overall pace from uh, Fred Alonso there because uh, if it weren't for him being able to uh, drive like that, uh, Lewis Hamilton probably could have gone and won the race. Um, I didn't think Lewis was going to be able to win the race. I thought he was still too far back. Uh, but evidently, uh, once he got past Alonzo, uh, he had a lot more pace than, uh, what we all thought he did. And probably that was cause he was able to, uh, you know, go and pit, uh, and get new tires, but, uh, um, still, even with that, he was caught behind Alonzo and wasn't able to get by him. But then once he did, it's like, uh, he had a whole completely different car and then he was able to, uh, get past, uh, Carlos Sainz pretty easily. And then, um, he was actually very close to, uh, Sebastian Vettel and Esteban Ocon at the very end of the race. So that's, uh, uh, indicative of how good Lewis car was. If he had been able to, uh, have things happen his way, but then on the other side of it, when you consider, uh, Ocon and Vettel, um, Ocon was able to keep the lead and, it seemed like there was at times Vettel was able to get close to Ocon uh, throughout the race, but then ultimately it seemed like there was about maybe like a one second gap or so between Ocon and Vettel and Ocon, you know, using the dirty air probably, but yeah. uh, you know, he was able to keep Vettel behind or yeah, keep Vettel uh, behind him there and uh, eventually get his first win. But then, you know, also the, the wreck too, that gave him the opportunity because if it weren't for the wreck, uh, there's probably not a good chance that the running order gets disorganized and, and then they end up into the lead, but you have, you have to be able to take it, uh, advantage of those opportunities. And that's what Alpine did. That's what, uh, Vettel did, um, you know, before getting disqualified and ultimately that's what Ocon did. So, um, a lot of things that happen. And when you, you know, look at the running order, it's not a typical formula one running order. So, this is uh, definitely one of the more surprise races that we've had in recent memory and something, you know, to uh, keep in, in mind as we go forward throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, that's, there's plenty unpacked there. I mean, in, in, as you said, and plenty in all good points in regards to the way Ocon and Vettel both showed up here in this spot, but Vettel to be fair, 
I think if there was any question, is Sebastian Vettel invested? Is Sebastian Vettel still that guy? I mean, is he the guy that won four world championships? Yes. He's a, he's a guy that won four world championships, 53 races, all these polls, whatever. But is he at that same level? I don't think so. But I think that there are signs and his driving. The reality is he was close. He, he gave it a couple of shots to try and pass Socon. I think if their strategy was, they didn't have a good pit stop either. Strategy was a little better, which I'm going to get into in a minute, but their pit stop wasn't as good as the Alpine pit stop. That basically was to seal the deal. But Ocon drove a great race, and he's been highly rated for many years. Mercedes had him as a junior. They let him go to go to Alpine. Uh, I mean, he's had to take a year off and come back. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of stuff there. Um, I've talked about Pierre Gasly at nauseum uh, here, the grid talk, whatever, as somebody who I would have thought would have been a better fit because he's a French driver too. He's got the whole Red Bull thing, and anybody who comes from Red Bull usually does better once they leave Red Bull. Um, and I thought that would have been a better idea. Uh, but, hey, Esteban Ocon went out there, and he's got the same amount of Grand Prix wins as Pierre Gasly, and it had the same kind of cluster F kind of deal with Rex and nonsense and Mercedes dick-stepping themselves. And, I mean, Lewis screwed himself at Monza last year. In this case, the team did. Then he got stuck behind Pierre Gasly, uh, couldn't go anywhere. And he's like, I'm, I can't go anywhere. This is BS. They pit him under cut. So he gets past Daniel Ricardo, gets past Gasly, gets past, uh, what is it? Um, Verstappen with his damaged car. Then he's able to make a little more progress, move up a little bit. They do the same strat as they had in 2019. Uh, Rosberg and all of them are talking about it. Do the same strat as 2019. Then, what happens is I think early in that run, maybe the first or second lap out of the pits, he had a run on Alonso. He was going to make the move on the inst. He was going to dive bomb inside of turn one. Uh, probably would have been similar to something like akin to what uh, PK did to Senna in 86, but without the slide. Um, but then Kimi Raikkonen randomly is coming out of the pits. I mean, it's bad enough, you know, that's the first time I think Egghead hasn't been responsible for damage ever in his life. Um, they they decide to release him out of the pits while there's a battle for position. I'm sure, yeah, it's a race, whatever. And he's just out there and not even looking in the mirrors. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And from that moment on, that was the beginning of the end of Lewis's race. He spent eight laps i think behind alonzo and i was never like i wasn't like some like big huge alonzo fan i was a fan of his when i supported it when he was beating schumacher the way him and hamilton went at it whatever i've been a hamilton guy from his gp2 days um he's a great race car driver he's one of the best race car drivers i've ever seen he's become somewhat of a spokesperson and, and a statesman. Like, he's got a personality. He's good for the sport. The current Fernando Alonso is good for the sport. And what he did 
was, you know, all time. He was his defense was like Bill Belichick level defense. And he went and wrote every edge and did everything that he could. And that defense, as you said, and Vince said multiple times over in many different um, uh, avenues, whether it's pods or writing, whatever. He's the reason why, uh, main reason why Esteban Ocon won. As much as I want to say Esteban Ocon, he did a great job. He beat Vettel, all that. If Alonso doesn't defend like that, as Josh said, he caught up to Carlos Sainz in like a quarter of a lap. He then was catching the top two at about a one and a half second, one to two seconds lap. I mean, come on. Hey, I, I think it would have at least been interesting. Uh, he finished two point. What did it work out to be? He finished uh, 2.7 seconds off at the end of the race. And that's after he was held up behind uh, 2.736 off of the win with three pit stops, with held up by Alonzo, the whole bit. And he finished 13 seconds, basically 13 seconds ahead of Alonso by the end of the race. So it was that defense. But credit credit to Fernando Alonso. There's a reason why he's one of the best uh, and he's so well-respected and he's one of the Spanish heroes and all that. Like, he's, he's a legend. Um, I am curious to see what his, if he's going to keep on going after 22, really. Um, it would be cool to see him and Alonzo or Alonzo Hamilton Vettel keep going. Uh, it's not as good for like the youth movement because there really is nowhere to go. But in turn, there are three great veterans who have all won championships, and it gives people that have been watching this sport for many years uh, keeps them going too. Um, while, you know, some of this young talent maybe gets to develop, take more time um, instead of the Red Bull method of just hurrying people up and then spitting them out. Uh, I mean, Ferrari uh, lost out with with uh, Leclerc, but Carlos Sainz gets another po- gets a podium again, second time this year. Alonso, a top five finish. So he's uh, solidifying his point situation. Uh, fifth and sixth for Alpha Tori, uh, Williams double point seventh and eighth. Um, I mean, there the, the the fact of the matter is like, I, I mean, I talked about uh, this, and I I figured we can go into that too. I mean, we can get into the midfield. I I think we can blend these into two parts here. We have the Mercedes and Red Bull aspect of it where. Valtteri Botas became a bowling ball. The team completely shit the bed with Lewis Hamilton. Um, their car is incapable of following anybody more than any other car um, on the grid. Even a guy of Lewis Hamilton's talent and greatness can't make that car work, which is probably the biggest, if you want, the biggest reason why they're changing the regulations. It's, it's that. Um, you have Red Bull for two weeks, two races in a row. I'm going into a summer break. I think they have two points, three points, whatever. 
um, over two races uh, because of, of course, they got a double non-point score at uh, at the British Grand Prix. Then they got two points. Yeah, so they have two points. Uh, basically three because Pierre Gasly went out and just put a set of softs and and stole the fastest lap for the second time, uh, second race in a row because that's Red Bull's thing because they're petty. Um, so there is that, but you know, they had near 50 point lead. And I think we were talking about it on here, Josh, about how it seemed like we were going down a path where Red Bull is going to win both of these world, both championships. Now, all of a sudden, Lewis Hamilton has going into the summer break an eight point lead, um, coming off of you know, four, five second places and one first, which of course was at the expense of Max Verstappen, um, while Max had one non-score and a ninth place finish. So 43 to two, so 41 point gain um, leads to, he had a 32 point lead in the driver's championship. So that's gone. Now it's an eight point um, deficit. In the team's championship, it was uh, a much different story prior to the British Grand Prix. Uh, now, now in the last two races, Mercedes has scored 58 points to two for um, the... Oh, and then there's three points each for because of the sprint. That's what that is. So... The fact is, ever since the sprint race uh, at this at Silverstone, the scoring is fifty-eight to two, and that has led to Mercedes taking a twelve-point advantage in the constructors' championship. So that's forty-eight, forty-six point lead, uh, forty-six point lead. Uh, for the constructors, which is over a full race, basically minus all the other mini points now, but the sprint race and all that crap. But they had a full race with a first and second place finish, even with them fastest lap on Mercedes. And now it's flipped. So I guess we'll get into the midfield, but first your thoughts on how this deal is really flipped on basically one move. Uh, going into the summer break, and who do you feel? Uh, do you think that it's strict right now? It's all Mercedes, or do you think there's something for Red Bull, and they're just gonna go and kind of reset, and then they're gonna be back to normal once we get to Spa here in a few weeks' time for the Belgian Grand Prix. Well, it's an interesting storyline for sure. I think with the for Mercedes, I think they have the opportunity to continue to make changes or improvements to their car or upgrades, whatever. And, and so does a uh, uh, Red Bull. And I, th I think for both those teams, uh, they'll have to take that advantage during the break uh, to be able to figure out how to, you know, make their cars faster. If they should start focusing more on, you know, less downforce uh, setups or more down downforce setups or something, you know, to get more out of the car handling, handling wise. Um, 
the, if they need to make changes to the power unit or whatever. But um, I think right now Mercedes start, it has a little bit of an edge because they've been able to score points, like you said, and Red Bull has only scored two points from this past race and really only one point uh, considering where they finished at, uh, um, before Sebastian Vettel's uh, disqualification. Um, and I think one thing to consider for Red Bulls uh, during this past race at Hungary, uh, should they have uh, done what Lewis Hamilton's team uh, did and stayed out on the track, even though they had a damaged car and they did have a little bit of repairs, uh, should they have stayed out, you know, like uh, Larry Max says on Fox, like track position, you know, like it, it was right there even with a, a damaged car, they could have just stayed out for a couple of laps and tried to try to salvage something, at least for, you know, the, um, initial part. Yeah, and point. that could have been, could have been something to do, uh, there. And, and, you know, especially with, uh, initially, you know, uh, Max had that, uh, pass against Mick Schumacher, but that was really the only pass that he, uh, really made, uh, throughout that, uh, Grand Prix. I think later on, he eventually got around Daniel Ricardo, but, uh, he was stuck behind him for a majority of the, that Grand Prix, especially in the second half of that race. So, it, you know, if they were able to kind of leapfrog some some cars by staying out uh, after the red flag and then maybe coming in and getting tires around the same time Lewis Hamilton did, uh, maybe that changes the race and they uh, are able to be on a different strategy or, you know, on the same strategy as Lewis Hamilton there. So uh, that's something you consider and something that they – um, failed to do and you have to be able to take those kind of risks i guess and then or make that evaluation to do that um to be able to stay ahead in the championship or to keep it even at least and now they're slightly behind uh, mercedes and you know max is slightly behind lewis now in the driver's championship so um that was maybe an opportunity that they didn't take advantage of but i think with spa coming up it's a high speed racetrack um and i i think maybe uh, it might favor Red Bull over Mercedes, but uh, I, I'd have to call it even right now because, um, I mean, I could see either or of those teams um, being really good and having good pace there. So uh, a lot of a lot of things to, that can happen in between now and then. We'll just have to wait and see what happens with uh, Red Bull and Mercedes, but it's definitely kind of back to the beginning of the season almost. Or, well, maybe the first couple of races, you know, we thought, uh, Mercedes had a little bit of better of advantage uh, over Red Bull. Uh, so maybe it's back to that. But now I think it's almost kind of even. So it's it's all kind of just setting things back to square one, I guess. And uh, now we have to see who, who's got a better opportunity to you know, take advantage of the break and improve uh, upon their efforts this year. The one thing that will affect any type of changes is there is a mandatory uh, shutdown that takes place. I don't know if it's for the entire, it can't be for the entire three weeks, but I think there's at least a 14 day shutdown or some, something like that. So that's for the, the, the crew men and women that are grinding. Uh, the, the people that really make this show work. It's the same ways with NASCAR and you know, the people that I follow that are friends that I'm like social media friends with. And, uh, that they talk about, you know, being on the road. Like now for them, it's a similar kind of deal. From now until November, basically for the X, I don't know, with Xfinity and trucks, they have like weird schedule, especially the trucks is a joke, but um, they don't have a whole lot of off time between now and 
um, before Thanksgiving, basically, or I mean, early November. Um, it's the same thing for Formula One. Um, after this three weeks is done, they're going to have three consecutive races uh, with the Belgian Grand Prix, Italian Grand Prix, and the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, there it looks like two races will be in Coda after no race at Coda. Last year, they're going to have two. Um, that'll be interesting. I mean, it's a really rough racetrack, so I'm sure all the drivers are going to be whining about that. That'll be something. Um, and they're probably going to have to run like a step down or on one of the races, they're probably going to run a step down with the tire tires. That's going to make it a little more interesting too. You know, maybe they should just run a sprint format at one of those races. I think that might be an idea um, that might change things up a little bit. Um, that would be a good thing to do, actually, for the um, races at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin. But, hey, we'll just put it out there so you can manifest it. Let's see if we can manifest it. I would like to manifest a couple million dollars, too. Um, then I could go and be a part of Trackhouse, since Trackhouse seems to be the um, the end thing these days. Or maybe I can get a couple million dollars and buy one of Rick Ware's charters. Um, so then it'll go to a good place instead of wherever the hell it might go. Um, yeah, it was uh, a definitely a crazy race. Uh, yeah, I, I think before we get on to the previews, I'm talking about, we talked about Alonzo and his defense. Signs, the midfield battle is definitely interesting. Alpha Tori benefited greatly uh, with the fifth and sixth place finish. Williams jumped from ninth to eighth uh ninth with zero points to eighth uh with their double points uh, uh deal here close that it's great how motorsport.com just likes to freeze um on my computer it doesn't matter what computer i'm on and it's annoying and yeah there you go so that's what i wanted in the first place 10 points for Williams, uh, first time since Robert Kubica scored points for them at the German Grand Prix a couple of years ago, which cost George um, points because he ended up finishing 11. There was a lot going on there, but for George Russell, of course, in his um, uh, likely scenario where he's going to go, big deal for him for scoring for Williams after what he's done for them for most of his time, uh, Latifi uh, doing what he did, which is basically out of character for him. Uh, you know, Alpha Tori kind of going in between Alpha Tori and then you consider, what is it, 37 points for Renault uh, on, on Sunday, or I mean for Alpine. Uh, you know, like that's, that's a big deal. They move into the fifth in the constructors championship They're They have a nine point lead on alpha Tori, the loss of those 18 points for, um, for Aston Martin, that would have been, they would have been at 70. Now they're at 48. So now they're basically in no man's land. It's a huge deal. Ferrari um, with um, with the Carlos Sainz podium 
is now tied with McLaren at 163 um, going into the next uh, phase of races there. So that'll be interesting for third and constructors, Alpine and Alpha Tori. Um, it looks like the momentum is starting to turn. Alpine was in seventh a few races ago. Now they're in fifth. Um, the The momentum is there. Alfa Romeo is not going to make up seven points. Basically, Williams is just locked up eighth in the constructors. Alfa Romeo is going to be ninth. And Putin Haas, um, mercifully, uh, will finish last. Take, I mean, I, I think that before we go and move on, I think there's uh, the whole that Sebastian Vettel disqualification is, was big in regards to how the constructors is looking, and for him too. I mean, he was ha- he's had a good year, and now all of a sudden, that points drop takes him outside of now. He went from being, he would have been at 48 points and he would have been flirting with eighth in the driver's championship. Instead, now he's um, nine points behind Esteban Ocon, uh, who got 25 points. He's He only had 14 points before the race on Sunday. Alonso up there ahead of him. And then Ricardo, who hasn't scored, who didn't score points at Hungary, and then he has had two non-points finishes, or he didn't score in the sprint, but um, he's had two non-points finishes in the last, like, three races or four races. Pierre Gasly, Pierre Gasly. Uh, Ferrari's in their own little world. The top three battle, like the third place battle, didn't change because they all crashed out. Um, Signs and Leclerc uh, have one sixty three by combined, so that shows that Ricardo's the dead weight right now. A lot to unpack in regards to what's going to go on here. We'll get into it in more detail for the for the Belgian Grand Prix, but a lot of things going on there within the midfield. Yeah, I mean, with you know, especially consider with uh, Vettel. I mean, it's a big difference being tenth, you know, versus twelfth in the points right now, and certainly being would have been a chance to be two points behind eighth place in the championship with uh, Pierre Gasly there. Uh, you know, Leclerc is in kind of his own. Uh, you know, like you said, Ferrari's kind of in their own land. Then, then you go on to the upper echelon with uh, the standings, I guess, with you know, Red Bull, uh, Perez there, and then. Uh, Valtteri Botas kind of they're kind of both in in that uh, range I guess where we could see a change between uh, third and fifth place with Norris also there and Norris has scored points in every race this season except for uh, uh, this race here in Hungary where he you know got crashed out so uh, missed opportunity for uh, Norris for sure uh, in being able to I guess get away from uh, Botas and Perez and the points um, certainly could have had that opportunity to um, at least solidify or have a you know better position in, as a third place in the championship. But then on the flip side, his teammate uh, also didn't score points, um, and I think probably could have had better pace too if if he didn't get uh, crash damage uh, on the first lap as well. Um, 
and he's kind of been stuck in ninth and a bit of a disappointing season really for Ricardo with, you know, a lot of expectations going into this year with, uh, um, with McLaren and then um, not really being able to uh, completely capitalize you know, with uh, bad luck. And then also just not being able to uh, have good feel with the car and not being used to the handling uh, quite right. So that that's a, a little bit of a disappointment there, but um, certainly going into next year, they'll, probably be a little bit better we'll see but i think you know also with um pierre gasly's kind of there stuck in in uh eighth place and definitely has an opportunity to uh move on i guess move forward maybe later on in the year he can challenge uh, leclerc or carlos signs and uh, we'll have to uh, see about that but i think anywhere from you know 12th 8th through 12th place uh, is definitely can still be a battle i think um, beyond that, uh, I don't really see the standings change really uh, that much. And then I think um, you'll have to see what happens between Norris, Botas, and Perez, uh, whether we see a change uh, in position there. And then, you know, of course, going back to the the title fight, uh, Hamilton versus Sappen, that's always going to be the the main card, I guess, uh, to put in boxing terms. That'll be, you know, the uh, we'll see what, what happens there. But a lot of moving pieces and certainly none of it is solidified there uh, in this uh, driver's standings. Yeah. A lot more to get into and half a season to go in formula one. So we'll probably get into that next few weeks. Once uh, we get closer to the Belgian Grand Prix uh, and we'll get in and see what's going on and who's going to be where be faster tracks more high speed for the next two races and then the dutch grand prix is going to be more of a similar deal to what we had at austria i think uh or even hungary which might who knows what that'll mean might be more of a wild card indycar race at uh nashville the streets of nashville uh will see indycar series uh, run there uh, for the first time. Uh, street course races, uh, usually in the history of the uh, not only the IndyCar series, but in general, have not been successful. So we'll see. Uh, but there's a lot of juice, there's a lot of positive momentum uh, in regards to the uh, IndyCar race here. You have Joseph Newgarden, uh, a Tennessee uh, guy, two-time champion there. You have Big Machine Records, who's been connected to IndyCar, Scott Borchetta, the whole bit. Uh, there's there's a lot of juice there. Um, I mean, honestly, I I guess the initial thing before we get into it, I don't know, Josh, have you been able to race like uh, um, Roman Grosjean? <laughs> was able to do and show in the HBD simulator uh, and the other guys have been able to run seemingly uh, run the um, Nashville street course. Uh, what are your thoughts? If you saw the video, if not, you know, but what are your thoughts of the track itself? Um, the fact there's a gas station before one of the last turns, um, which makes it a <laughs> true street course. Um, I mean, yeah, like the it it's um 
I, I haven't had a chance to, because it hasn't been released onto iRacing yet or any of the other simulators there. I'm, I think the the simulator that they are using was R Factor Pro, which is only uh, commercial or you know privately available to uh, contractors and teams. I think so. Um, that's their, I guess, uh, program for that. But it was a really good rendition of that, uh, and I think a, a lot of detail that went into that. So uh, good, good job for uh, those guys being able to develop the uh, professional simulator for the drivers to use and. I mean, you could tell it wasn't iRacing because the uh, iRacing has the the Cosworth logo on the steering wheel, and plus there's the uh, the name of your uh, your driver on on the dashboard as well. But the the course itself, though, um, was a uh, very interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, ninety degree corners um, in in the course. Um, you know, you're passing by the Tennessee Titans Stadium. Fuck the Titans. Don't care what you say. I'm from Duval, so you know it's what we say about the Titans. But. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, then you got the bridge, you're going over the Korean Veterans Memorial there. Um, and that's going to be interesting. I've heard a, a lot of uh, uh, drivers talk about, uh, I think, New Garden specifically, he talked about that on uh, Dale Jr.'s podcast. And um, seems like there's going to be a, um, I mean, I don't think there's going to be an issue, but uh, the change in handling, I think, going over a bridge like that uh, onto the corners, that that could be interesting, and especially with the level of downforce uh, going over that, um, uh, that'll be a, something that we'll have to watch, look out for. Uh, cause I, it's been a long time, I guess, since we've seen Indy cars drive over, uh, actual bridge like that. And it's, and I don't think they've ever driven as large of a bridge like that. I mean, I think I can't remember maybe like the, uh, the old days back when they raced, uh, the new metal lands back in the you know, late eighties, early nineties or something like that, where you saw, um, a bridge maybe I, I feel like i remember a bridge on that track but i'm not sure yeah they had like overpasses yeah the way that um it, it's more like kind of like the yeah it's more of like off ramps and whatever it wasn't as much of a bridge i i know what you're talking about because yeah i'm kind of like an underground metalands aficionado because i never knew it until a few years ago that they ran at the Meadowlands and then I've watched races and they had different configurations. So I know, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, uh, I can't really think of any street course that's had such a long, like a bridge or something like you'd have an overpass or you'd have like, like what are you like San Jose, the, the old, um, cart San Jose track where they were launching themselves over train tracks or you had Baltimore, where they were launching themselves over train tracks. Usually these these street courses are located around there. I mean, this one's around a stadium too, but you're using, everyone thinks about Long Beach. Long Beach had different configurations, but generally it's in, been in that same area since the 70s. Uh, St. Pete yep. had a longer um course prior to 2003 the initial course was a different configuration but basically had most of what we have today i think they had a longer instead of where you turn i think in turn three four i guess i'm i'm the math may be off but where you turn right turn three and four you'd go longer down the straight you'd make a couple of rights come back up and then you'd be doing basically what uh, they were doing back in the eighties 
but now they've changed it a little bit since 2003 when they returned. Um, those are two of the main street courses that we have in the States. I mean, obviously NASCAR now is on a gimmick that they want a street course, but um, Long Beach is the, is the standard bearer. St. Pete has become a, um, a, a standout race. Um, the Hope, Robin Miller, um, God bless him. Hopefully um, he'll be okay. He wrote a, a great article um, last week. I'm talking about his struggle. Maybe, I mean, we can pray for him and see if he can make it through his battle that he's having with cancer. But he's talking about how, how many street courses there's been and uh, all these different things. But there's a lot of support here, and it's, there's a lot of good energy. Um, and it looks like the funding is good, too. When you consider the Titans are probably involved with it, the, I mean, the Dale Jr. is invested. Adams family is invested. You got June Bug. You got Scott Borchetta. You got all these different people. You probably got all these musicians, and you got like New Garden. You got all these American drivers. You got Jim Johnson at least for this year and next year. I mean, you got different things going. You got a twenty-eight car field from all all intents and purposes. So you got a really deep field. It, it, it sounds like this Nashville Grand Prix should be um, a fun one. It's going to end in the dark. They're, they're starting it at 530. So there's going to be like low sunlight. That's going to be kind of an in- issue. And I think it will be ending in darkness, which will be an interesting um, twist to an IndyCar race starting in daylight, ending in darkness on a road course i I, they did it at houston around uh, the nrg stadium for a years ago they used to do race and in the at night there back in the cart days uh or champ car whatever you i call it cart whatever but champ car days they ran at night and i think they did a twilight race then they did it right in the middle of the day so that'll be cool too but I think in regards to this weekend's race, we have to get back to the notion Alex Pillow is the points leader. You know, Alex Pillow is, um, has a chance to win this IndyCar championship. Um, and, you know, like there's a whole lot going on. Um, you know, you have, well, who knew Daniel Suarez is going to be driving a Trans Am car this weekend? Well, you drive a Trans Am car at Nashville on Saturday, and then he's going to be uh, driving the cup race on Sunday. God bless him. But um, in regards to the Nashville, Nashville Grand Prix itself, the Music City Grand Prix, you know, there's – so you have, you have Trans Am, SRO, GT America. You have – Trans Am, uh, IndyCar, Stadium Super Trucks, Music. Wow, Brooks and Dunn, Vince Neal. Look at that. Um, I mean, it's a really busy weekend. That is unbelievable. You want to talk about a money? A lot uh, of entertainment. A a lot of entertainment. You're getting your money's worth. If you get to go to Nashville this weekend, possibility you'll get COVID too. But hey. You'll have at least had fun and watched some indie cars and a lot of other fast stuff. Uh, 
to me, it's it, we don't know um, exactly what what's going to happen, but I I think Joseph Newgarden he puts a lot of pressure on himself. The only thing he really hasn't won for Penske, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to get rid of him, but he hasn't won Indy. I think Joseph Newgarden's putting as much pressure to win Indy as he is to try to win this race. And considering where he's at in points, to me, he's the favorite because he's great on street courses. He won St. Pete. He is the kind of guy, and this, the home game, anything that accounts for a pseudo home game, like it's Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, Rick Allen, it's a home track. Yeah, it's a home track. (laughs) Everything's a home track for Martin Truex Jr. Yeah. So, so it's the same thing with Joseph Newgarden, and I'm assuming, well, Rick Allen's going to be at Watkins Glen because he took the week off the last time, um, thankfully, because it was actually a better broadcast, honestly. Uh, but I don't know who they're going to have. I figure it'll probably be um, what's what? Why am I forgetting his name now? Uh, dang it. The guy that um, oh, uh, the guy that does the pits, uh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Lee, Lee. Yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's a symbiotic deal there. Uh, Kevin Lee, along with uh, Maga Boy, and um, uh, it depends actually because uh, Townsend. Townsend is going to be at, at Road America, so he may not be okay. So who knows who the hell? They're gonna be. Maybe they'll get uh, Brian Till, or I don't know. Maybe he'll be covering. Yeah, um, they so, yeah. they'll they'll probably get Rutledge or some bullshit. Oh yeah, because he did the whole thing with uh, Nashville uh, yeah. the last time when NASCAR was there. They'll they'll probably yeah. yeah. I mean, it either way, it doesn't really matter with them. They might just have Jack Collinsworth go and call the race. Why not? Because they're just trying to insert Jack Collinsworth in a random crap with racing, as though Jack Collinsworth gives a shit about racing, which he doesn't. Um. But, uh, yeah, New Garden to me is a favorite. Outside of that, I mean, in regards to the points battle, Polo, you can't sleep on him right now. And they've had a long break. You, you figure amount of sim time they've been able to do. Ganassi's going to respond here now that they know that they're out of, Chip is out of NASCAR, you know, and, uh, He's going to want to win this championship. So I figure Polo and, and Dixon will be there too. But um, what are your thoughts? Who do you see as um, favorites and possible dark horse um, going into this weekend's race at Nashville? Well, I mean, I think it naturally the favorite has to be Joseph Newgarden. I mean, like you said, he's hometown boy, you know, grew up in nearby Hendersonville, which right next to Nashville. So this is a opportunity for him to get the the home win in front of, you know, his friends and family and his wife and all that. So be good for him uh, to get that and, and definitely would help him in the championship. But, you know, you can't count out guys like uh, Alex below. I mean, he's been really good this year. Uh, can't count out somebody like Pato award. who has been excellent. Uh, as well this year and is right there in the championship. And I think this race uh, for both of these drivers, how they uh, race in this race and whatever the result is, I think will help 
probably determine uh, who ends up winning the IndyCar championship. And this will probably be a pivotal chapter, I guess, in, in that title fight. And then I think you also, you mentioned Scott Dixon, but I think you also have to look at somebody uh, like Colton Herta who won uh, at, at St. Petersburg and has been you know pretty good on street courses as well. So I think you have to you know look at a guy like him. Um, maybe we see something from, you know, Graham Ray Hall or uh, Takuma Sato, both guys that are, I, I mean, I, I think, I don't know about Takuma, but I think Graham Ray Hall is probably uh, fairly well on street courses. Um, the rest of Team Penske, you know, Will Power has been good on street courses. Alex Rossi, he's won at Long Beach before in the past, uh, twice actually. So a uh, lot of guys in the field that could potentially win this uh, Grand Prix. And like you said, for the first time, we don't know who's going to be uh, truly good here. Um, we can only infer based on past history. So, uh, you know, we have the opportunity for Jimmy Johnson to maybe actually, I mean, he's had good pace in the race, just hasn't had it down quite yet in qualifying trim in practice because he just doesn't have enough track time so maybe it's an opportunity for jimmy johnson to get his best finish so far maybe finish on the lead lap in an indy car for the first time and romaine grosjean also i mean he had the the simulator preview and maybe that's an advantage or something probably not but it does uh give him the opportunity uh to be able to uh get another good finish maybe possibly another podium and that'll be leading up into um uh gateway where he wants to make his first time oval debut so a lot on the line as well for uh romaine grosjean so a lot of these drivers uh, have an opportunity to uh improve their position in points or uh be able to take the uh lead in the championship or inch closer to that so um gonna be a, a fun grand prix to look out and watch out for i guess with um all these storylines yeah and it's gonna be a condemn i mean with IndyCar, as Josh mentioned, I mean, the limited practice is a big uh, concern. Um, roughness of the track's probably going to come up. Uh, you know, endurance is going to be a big deal. And But there are entertaining aspects of the track. There will be opportunities to pass uh, there because of the long straights and the bridges, well, over the bridges and... Um, a bridge, I mean, sorry. And we will see. We will talk about it next week on the GSP, um, see what happens and how that sets up Gateway or the Indy Grand Prix or whatever the, the hell they're calling it um, next week um, during the cup race there uh, at Indianapolis Road Course and then Gateway, which is, I think, the last oval of the year so um that'll be a big deal gateway which is another um big basically their third biggest race of the year maybe i mean definitely in the top five biggest races of the year um long beach being back uh, this year will be a big deal as well um nascar back at watkins Glen after the nbc break for the olympics um you know clyde Definitely, um, I mean, let's, we'll, we'll go and do, um, we'll, we'll be doing, I'll do this backwards. We'll go in and go into trucks because they've been off for God knows how many weeks. Um, they had, um, they had the truck debacle at, uh, Knoxville. We're leading up to the Knoxville nationals when that's an actual race. 
the truck series will have the United Reynolds 176. Um, track record was held by Ron Fellows um, back in 1997, driving for Joni Macek. I think it was a, the Bell South Chevy number 87. Uh, they have a starting lineup, 40 trucks. Uh, whoever was going to fail to qualify withdrew. So um, Chad Chastain will be driving the number 45 for Nice Motorsports. N Finger will be in the number nine. Um, will Rogers will be driving for uh, what is it, Dawson Cram's team? You have some other you know, Parker Kligerman will start and base basically tailback. Paul Menard will be in the last row uh, behind him in the in a Toyota for Thor Sport, and Sam Mir will be driving. Uh, will be start will will be starting tailback. Uh, what is it called? Taylor Gray, who's known for running over people um, and not much else, is starting is making his truck series debut. And Lawless Allen, which is yeah, what a name. <laughs> That's one of the greatest names ever. I've said that on here and anywhere I can get a chance to because it's such a great name. Sad that he sucks and he drives for Josh Rayum, but um, Kaz Grala definitely will be an interesting driver. He had a great run at Coda in the zero two truck. So maybe he could go and uh, remake, redo that or go and have another shot at it. Josh Berry in the Rackley war 25. Again, another interesting driver ran top 10 for Jordan Anderson in Xfinity car, mid Ohio, uh, defending series champion. Sheldon Creed just got his, uh, Daytona wind die cast here yesterday uh from last year tells you how great uh Lionel is uh starts 19th and after that you have Corey Heim who's um having uh, a great battle in Arca with another dweeb in Ty Gibbs who doesn't know how to drive either just like to run over people um don't have to remind me about what he did to um chase at um Charlotte uh, the points battle, you have Danny Bone actually is in starting 11th, which is interesting. Uh, Tate Fogelman 13. So there's there's some guys that are involved in the points here. The the points right now, basically the top 10 is what your point situation is. Um, I have to go and bring this up. In the um, Right now, the, the top seven are locked in. John Hunter has won the regular season, so he's going to get more bonus points. Rhodes, Hill, Gill, and Creed all have won a race. Zane Smith and Matt Crafton are in. Uh, Hosevar, Frisian, and Chandler Smith right now are in the top 10. Everybody else basically, for all intents and purposes, Hosevar, once he starts his car or truck, I mean, will will be in um freeze and kind of is in the same boat um if they get stage points i think that'll be uh definite but then it becomes after that it becomes an issue of if chandler smith or one of these drivers that are outside of the top 10 can go and win so can one of the 
drivers from outside the top 10 win. Uh, yeah, I guess it's the same question as what we're going to put up for the cup race, but is do you think there's somebody that really hasn't done jack crap all year and all of a sudden is going to show up at Watkins Lynn after a month break and sneak up and go and get a while, like do an Eric Almirola? Like, is there an Eric Almirola in this field? Uh, you know, and I mean, pull a pole, like they don't even have qualifying, at least like they showed signs of life, the 10 car for a few weeks qualifying on pull at Nashville uh, super speedway before they ended up doing what they did in New Hampshire. But are we going to see the status quo is the top 10, as we see it right now, points wise going to stick through this race. Um, and if not, who's going to be the one that goes and breaks that um, deal? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's not really a lot of credible names after the top 10 in the, I guess the starting lineup. And, and in the uh, point standings as well. I mean, you know, maybe uh, somebody like Johnny Sauter. Um, I mean, he's hadn't done anything in a while. Um, maybe Sheldon Creed. Uh, I mean, Sheldon Creed may be the most likely guy that's outside of the top 10 uh, as far Creed as Creed won starting. a race, though. So No, I know that he's won a race, but, I mean, I'm talking about the starting lineup. Um, but, I mean, in terms of top 10, 10 in points, like um, – I mean, it's it's tough to say. There's not really like anybody, uh, really. I mean, you know, uh, maybe maybe Haley Deegan figures something out, but yeah, I don't think that will happen. Um, but you know, stranger things have happened. Um, Ryan Truex. I mean, I'm I'm just at this point, I'm just drawing names out of hat. I think, but um, you know, like I think for the most part, this race will probably just be the status quo. Um, I, I would say probably the names you have to watch out for the guys that have won at road courses already and being, uh, Ben Rhodes and, uh, Todd Gilliland. And I almost want to give the nod to Ben Rhodes because I feel like the Watkins Glen road course is similar, um, to, I guess the Daytona road course, cause you have the chicane in the back, you have hard breaking zones, the, you know, turn one 90 degree corner, somewhat maybe similar high speed corner, like turn one at Daytona road courses. Um, and I, I think, uh, maybe the similarities play into Ben Rhodes hands, but I think, uh, it's, it's a tough race to, um, really pick out a surprise winner. Um, I mean, John Hunter Nemechek, you know, he's won five races this year has clearly got the title in his hand, uh, for the regular season at least, but I don't really envision him as a road course racer. I mean, maybe he'll, he'll probably have good pace, but you know, he might not have the understand intricacies needed to really um, stand out on a, on a road course where I don't really see him like really dominating the race or, you know, finishing like really high, like second or third, if not a win. So um, it, it'll probably be, uh, you know, a stand, a, you know, whole home race, whatever you'll see um, uh, different drivers up front, probably trying to use different strategies. Um, and of course you have still have the stage breaks and stuff. So there's a lot of things that, that, that will happen in this race, but uh, it's tough to even really envision um, any surprise winners. Like I said, and of course, like the, the point standings and the, the, I mean, I forgot that this was the uh, playoff uh, or the, the cutoff for the playoff uh, for this race. So, uh, even in, from that respect, like 
it's hard to tell who's going to make a shot or make uh, have a chance to get into the playoffs uh, or, you know, surprise, make a surprise run into the playoffs. So um, it's probably going to be an interesting race, but it just uh, don't really know what uh, storylines are to make of it. Yeah. And it's still have, they have this race. They will have a week off. Then they'll go to the St. What is it called? Gateway for the first race. Then they'll have another week off. Then they go to Darlington, another week off, go to Bristol. And they'll have, that's when they'll have three races, basically somewhat back to back to back, which will be Bristol, Las Vegas, which the Bristol's a cutoff for the first round. They'll go to Las Vegas and Talladega, have three weeks off and then run the last two races of the season. So basically right now we've hit a dead period of the year where um, the truck series, they had, they got busy. Um, they were busy earlier in the year. That's basically, it used to be, there would be a lot more off weeks earlier in the year and then they'd be busier later. Now um, they got 14 races in uh, through early July with, off weeks here and there now there's a lot more off weeks as we go along and that lands in the playoffs which is pretty stupid but uh, i think of the outside top 10 people and points i think it's kraus and the other person i would look at outside of kraus is tyler ankrum um or and for a wild card that is is Taylor or, or Tanner Gray, uh, because his teammate Todd Gillen won at Coda. Um, Tanner Gray hasn't done jack crap all year. He's had a horrible year. But, you know, this is an opportunity where you just go and roll the dice. Derek Krause has had pace. He was in position. He's been in position at times to win races. Uh, you know, Ankrum won at Kentucky a couple of years ago uh, for DGR Crosley um, and got in the playoff. I think he's somebody with the, the what do you call GMS team? Uh, they made the playoff last year, I think. I don't remember, but the, he's the kind of guy that I think has the ability and the opportunity there. But otherwise, outside of those three, I don't really see anybody else really backing in. I kind of feel like somebody like Kaz Grala is going to win the race, honestly. I, I'm going to go out there and get on a limb and, and say that Kaz Grala is going to win um, on Saturday in the 0-2 truck. So Young's Motorsports gets a second win in the truck series. Um, and we'll see what happens in regards to the playoff and all that. Uh, Xfinity series will run the, I was about to call it the Zippo 200 because that's what it used to be called for many years. Um, it's the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey 200. Um, after whatever, insert your sponsor here at the Glen uh, for the cup race. So they had to go and follow up with an Xfinity name that's... Um, that's just as asinine. It'll be on CNBC because of the Olympics, of course. Uh, as it stands right now, Michael Annette, uh, 
is on the cutoff. He's missed races, but he got a waiver. Um, you should get a waiver if you win a race and you declare for Xfinity points, honestly. That would allow the likes of, even though I don't like him, Ty Gibbs, uh, Josh Berry would be in there too. It would remove, uh, I mean, it would be bad for Jeremy Clements, I know, but and but at least we remove Michael and Nett. Uh, you know, outside of really Hemrick and Harrison Burton, I mean, it's hard for me to really look at any a lot of these guys in the Xfinity series that are in the points that they they're they're not good. It's not a good series this year. Uh, I think in reality, it's as I said earlier, it starts and ends with Sindrick or Almendinger. Um, I don't really know who else would be there. I mean, Kyle Busch can't run any more races, so um, he won two road course races this year at at Coda and at Elkhart Lake. Or no, he actually won Coda, Elkhart Lake. Yeah, he said Coda, yeah, and then he won at yeah, Coda and Elkhart Lake. Um, otherwise, the road courses have been uh, Ty Gibbs, and then. Yeah, it was Ty Gibbs and AJ Allmendinger. Yeah, so um, it's. I mean, I'm, I have to go and look at this right here. As it stands, Ty Gibbs starts fifteenth. Uh, Jade Buford there's right next to him, road course uh, veteran. Uh, you have some other guys kind of go. Here was it? Kyle Tilly and be in the ninety-nine. Eric Jones will be in the thirty-one. That'll be interesting to see. Austin Dillon in the twenty-three. Q ball, yes. Bald spot will be in the twenty-three. Uh, LeBay twenty-six. That'll be another one to look at. Um, road course veteran. Uh, what is it? Yeah. After you get, I mean. You 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 can never can count out Jeremy Clements on a road course. Uh, you figure for the points situation, Herbst is thirty two points off of the cutoff. You know that Stuart Haas will put in. They have good cars there. Uh, what are they going to do to try to make something happen? All Geyer and Sindrick are on the front row. Hemrick and Burton row two. Haley and Almendinger row three. Uh, maggot moron Brett Moffitt will Moffitt will be in ninth. Um, so the it's I think it's pretty cut and dry. It's either gonna be um Sindrick or Almendinger. Uh, Josh, I mean, to me, I'm no Sindrick guy. Um, he's gonna be driving a two car next year, it's gonna be nauseating, but um, I'll uh. Take AJ Allmendinger for Saturday afternoon. Uh, honestly, uh, I don't know if you were going to go with him or if you're going to go with Cindric, but I, I left mean, that out there. I mean, I'll just take go opposite and go Cindric. But I mean, I I'll look at the rest of the field. I mean, I think the Cup drivers, if um, Eric Jones can get up into the top ten, or if Austin Dillon can get up get up there as well, they might make it interesting. Uh, it's tough to say beyond that. I mean, Allgaier has been fairly good on the road course throughout his uh, Xfinity series career. Uh, so he could be, and he's starting on pole too, although it may not last very long. So it could be 
uh, opportunity for him. Um, Ty Gibbs, like, you know, he, he won at uh, Daytona Road Course back in February and it's going to be back on a road course here. So that could be an interesting storyline, what he can do there. Um, but I mean, beyond that, as far as people, people who can um, really contend for this race, um, I don't really see anybody beyond that. And of course, you know, the uh, Riley Herbst probably not going to do anything um, in his uh, opportunity to get up into the uh, Xfinity playoffs. And uh, I don't really see anything uh, beyond that. So, uh, I mean, I mean, I'll just pick uh, Austin Cindric here to win this race. And that's about all we can say about that because the Xfinity series is not that exciting. We'll get into the cup race, uh, which will be Sunday afternoon. Uh, go over here. The go bowling at the Glen. Um, oh, look at that. Marcus Smith announces that Wednesday that the earliest NASCAR race at fairgrounds is 23. Interesting since SRX just ran there a few weeks ago and had a fully packed route. That's convenient. Uh, well, I think they signed a two year deal to go and run the super speedway and they're trying to figure out contingencies with that. But I posed a question in our outline, Josh, I'm going to let you go with it first before I go and throw in my two cents. Uh, is can a non Hendrick car or non Gibbs or Hendrick or Gibbs car win on Sunday? Um, if if not, okay, fine. But if you do have an idea of, of somebody who get is somebody, who would that be? Well, I think it's pretty clear to me. It's the any of the drivers from positions one through three starting on Sunday, you know, Brad Keselowski, uh, Joey Logano, uh, Ryan Blaney from Team Penske. I think those are the guys that you have to look out for. Um, Keselowski, you know, surprisingly, even though he hasn't really uh, won on a road course, I mean, he's been uh, pretty solid uh, throughout his career uh, at Watkins Glen. I mean, he had years where he finished uh, second three years in a row. He's had uh, multiple top tens uh, and top fives at this track throughout his career. Uh, so he doesn't get enough credit for being a road racer. And I, th I think uh, starting on pole is a pretty good advantage for him uh, to have. So I, I think possibly Brad Keselowski can uh, win this race. Uh, maybe Stuart Haas shows up, see something from Kevin Harvick. Also has uh, had a good track record on the road courses over the years, former winner at Watkins Glen back in 2006. Uh, so I, I think definitely, uh, and he's also won at Sonoma as well back in uh, 2017. So definitely an opportunity for Stuart Haas if they have the pace. Uh, but I think beyond that, uh, I think that's going to be the challengers, uh, either one of the cars from Penske or Stuart Haas. So basically the, the, the two best Ford teams and then also Hendrick uh, and uh, Gibbs there. So, I mean, Gibbs, you know, you're going to have uh, Martin Truex who's been, Fairly solid on road courses throughout his career. Hamlin, you know, solid track record. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, as you know, won at Watkins Glen before. You have um, uh, Christopher Bell, who won uh, earlier this year at Daytona Road Course. And then, you know, on Hendrick's side, I mean, Chase Elliott obviously is the best car, best driver there for road courses. Kyle Larson has also become proficient at road courses and has been throughout his career. So uh, those guys as well. Um, I mean, Alex Bowman, William Byron, maybe not as strong 
on the road courses. But I mean, you look at Hendrick, the five and the nine are the guys to look out for on the road course. So I think that's going to be the storyline is uh, those two cars, all of Gibbs probably, or at least Hamlin and, and Truex and then uh, Keselowski and uh, possibly Harvick going out and, and uh, contending for this race. Yeah, my hope is one of these next two races, and it goes into one of the other points we wanted to discuss, is the cutoff in regards to the playoff with um, Al Marola's win. There's 14 winners this year, um, and which makes it a little bit more, or 13 winners, actually, sorry, 13. Uh, Hamlin is the regular season points leader by... 13 over Larson. Uh, Harvick right now, in terms of total points, would actually be uh, fourth or third, it looks. Yeah, fourth in points. Uh, but right now he's 15th. The cutoff is five points between Tyler Reddick and Bald Spot Dylan. And then after that, it's basically an epic disaster. Uh, you need a miracle uh, to make it in. Um, use this time since these guys are outside uh, the top. Uh, what is it? The top uh, 16. Uh, give a shout out to Bubba Wallace for finally putting a ring on Amanda. Um, getting engaged. So congrats to him and Amanda for that. And. Looking forward to seeing what they're going to post on the socials about this wedding. It's probably going to be a crazy wedding. Probably going to get uh, between Hamrick, Blaney, and and Clyde. Uh, somebody's going to be riding a golf cart or something. That's going to be bad. Um, but it'll be cool. Uh, Ross Chastain uh, has been doing well on the road courses all year long. Uh, announced that he's going to be in the number one for track house next year. Basically, um, nut punching or giving a junk punch to Teresa Earnhardt, keeping the one car out there along with the 99. So Chastain will be in that car next year. Um, outside of that, I mean, you look at, I think Briscoe right now, he's tied with Eric Almirola, of course, in points. That They're tied for 23rd in points. Uh Almirola needed the win to go and get that tie. Uh, but Briscoe, he's good on the road courses. I feel like one of these next two races are his best chance. I don't see him getting the help. Um, and I don't think Stuart Haas has the best super speedway cars by any measure. So if he doesn't win one of these next two races, I have a hard time believing that um, Briscoe will make the playoff and he'll win the rookie of the year uh, basically by default, but um, it'll, it won't be with him making the playoffs like uh, Custer did last year, but at least he's beating Custer in points. So there is that uh, Brad winning would be cool. Uh, be, I wish he would have won. And at New Hampshire the week before, because that die cat, that car is really cool. Order diecast. I think the other person to look at though is Tyler Reddick. He had a great run. He qualified on pole at Coda. Then he had a great run at Road America. 
he hasn't won a cup race yet. At some point, he has to break that. Um, would be an interesting place. I think Daytona, of course, would be uh, one that would come up. Or, I mean, these next four races, I think, are all races that could be a place where uh, uh, Tyler Reddick gets that win, which in turn would go and set things uh, on its side again, would put Kevin Harvick on the points bubble, um, which would be crazy. Guys, top five in points. I mean, he would be on the bubble for the playoffs, which is nuts. Um, I'm kind of here for it because the NASCAR series in general this year have been pretty awful. And making it so that Kevin Harvick would have to go and either win Indy road course or win at Michigan again, or, you know, the real wild card of all is going out to a super speedway and having to win there to backdoor yourself in the playoffs after being top five in points most of the year would be something to see. Uh, let's go back over here. So um, the GSP roundup for this week, go into that, is Formula 3 W Series at uh, the Hungaro Ring. Last week, go into you had the race. What is it? Colombo won the first race. Uh, Lorenzo Colombo uh, in race one at uh, the Hungaro Ring, and you have yeah Lorenzo Colombo over Iwasa and Ali Caldwell. Logan Sargent finished fourth. Uh, Clement Novalak. Fifth, um, Hauger, sixth, Smolier, seventh, David Schumacher, eighth, Jack Dewan, ninth, Matteo Nanini, tenth. In race two, we had Matteo Nanini over Enzo Fittipaldi, Roman Stanek, Smolier, Hauger, Schumacher, Colombo, Novalak, Sargent, and Iwasa. Your top ten. And in race three, Dennis Hauger. Artur Leclerc, Jack Dewan, David Schumacher, Novalak, Smolier, Vesti Caldwell, Enzo Fittipaldi, and Logan Sargent in the 10th position there. Um, Juan Manuel Correa, Bennett, whatever, Jack Crawford. That's who there. Got Victor Martins. was buried in that race. So it's a huge points lead for Dennis Hauger. He's won uh two three races so far this year and as uh what is it three second places uh 55 and a 66 point lead on Jack Dewin uh Jack Dewin has a 9 point lead on uh Frederick Vesti who's in fourth five point lead on Caldwell who's in third uh in regards to uh, Smolier and Novak is 21 points back. Victor Martins is 23 points back. And then after that, it's kind of whatever. Logan Sargent right now is 13th in points, two points behind David Schumacher, three behind Iwasa, um, 11 behind Artur Leclerc in eighth. Uh, this is something to see. Juan Manuel Correa only has nine points. Kalen Frederick. Two points, Jack Crawford six, 
in regards to the Americans in F3. Comes to the W Series. Jamie Chadwick uh, gets a win there uh, uh, in race one. And then, um, I don't know, yeah, for race two. Uh, results. Looking at that. Yeah, in the race, it was Chadwick over Alice Powell and Marty. And Beske Visser fifth. Um, Thomas Selly ninth. Jessica Hawkins tenth. Um, Sabre Cook. Sabre Cook finished 14th right behind Abby Eaton. Vicky Perea, who's great to look at and not much of a driver. And they're 16th out of 18. Uh, the standings. See Jamie Chadwick take a one-point lead over Alice Powell. They both have two wins. And then, uh, in the case of Chadwick, a third and a sixth. And then Powell's a second and an eighth. Uh, Sabri Cook, Vicky Perea, Caitlin Wood are the only ones that haven't scored a point so far this season. We'll go from... The Formula or W Series to the um, IMSA race at Road America to see how that'll go there. IMSA Sports Car Weekend, the Road America 120. And you have, I'm trying to go over here and be a novel concept. Uh, go and do that. Um, you'll have the, uh, yeah, eight to 11, they'll show it on tape, but then the in IMSA race will be at 2.35 or 2.40, I'll on track pass, the, basically the Road America 500, we got, uh, Let's see what classes are there. Not to watch for entry list. There you go. That's what I want. All five WeatherTech classes be running. Was it six prototypes in the DPI category? The three Cadillacs from uh, Chip Ganassi, JDC Miller, and Whalen Engineering, and two Acuras from. Uh, Konica Minolta, Sashween Taylor Racing, and then Meyer Shank Racing, and then the Lone Mazda in LMP2. There's four cars in that class. Uh, well, prototype three, there's seven Andretti and Askew, of course, the number 36, Bennett and Braun, 54, Bar Robinson, Felipe Fraga. Uh, Dylan Murray, Jim Cox, Mike Skeen, Terry Olson, JR3 Racing, um, Keating and Jensen, 52, uh, DL and Merriman and Aero Motorsport, 18, uh, Tristan Nunez, 11, um, and then, yeah, there's that. Uh, GTLM will be the two Corvettes and the WeatherTech Porsche, and the biggest class is GT Daytona, with 15 cars, of course, of four miles will be spread out, no problem. Um, with the uh, next race, MotoGP going to uh, Red Bull Ring, uh, 
Danny Pedrosa, of course, returns. Uh, been a couple weeks here for MotoGP standings for the current coin standings in MotoGP. Sees Fabio Quattraro uh, leading by four, 34 points over Johan Zarco. And then Paco Bagnaia is 13 points behind Zarco. Uh, Mir, 21. And 22 for Jack Miller. Vinales, Oliveira, Alex Espargo, Brad Binder, Mark Marquez is the top 10 um, in regard points. And uh, right now in the Moto 2 World Championship, Remy Gardner has a 31 point lead over Raul Fernandez, uh, nearly uh, six, seven, two, 56 point lead on Basecki. That's uh, huge gaps. So Gardner up there, Fernandez and Basecki kind of in their own little world. Um, regard Joe Roberts is 10th, and Cameron Bobier is 15th. She's Pedro Costa, um, 48 points out of Sergio Garcia. And then there's other guys, Dennis Fulgiev, Benati, uh, and Jami Mazia in fifth. Darren Binder effect. Yeah, those are people. We'll get into that. Uh, the next thing is DTM at Zolder. I don't really care. Um, series is basically dying. Um, and yeah, so there's that. There's some interesting drivers that are basically um, buried. So it is what it is. Um, I don't know you about you, Josh, but um, what are you thinking in regards to what you've seen so far in training camp? Anybody that's standing out for your Jags? Um, anybody that is doing anything of great significance? Is, I mean, the fact that um, Urban Meyer hasn't had a health episode is kind of a miracle for you guys. And that I mean, it's um, a bit early, you know. Yeah. The stress hasn't really gotten there yet. Probably will happen around week seven or eight. But also Trevor Lawrence playing well. Um, not a transition, but a lot of positives going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I'll say about Lawrence is um, I think yesterday, the first practice with pads on, first practice that uh, defense could really uh, you know, make a play on the ball. They, uh, or Lawrence was able to throw a couple of picks uh, to start out that practice, but then he figured it out. And then later on was, uh, had, had a pretty good, uh, com completion percentage. I think he, he completed all his passes through a couple of touchdown passes as well, I think, but, uh, that just shows, uh, you know, he's able to bounce back from his mistakes and he got used to the defense and he started, you know, able to, uh, complete passes and stuff. Um, but I, I mean, I think offensively, you know, just, uh, want to see what, um, Marvin Jones Jr. came from uh, Detroit. What he does, uh, I think LaVisca Chenault has um, a pretty good uh, year ahead of him. Uh, a lot of expectations for him being second-year wide receiver, very physical uh, slot receiver. I think he also has ability to be on the outside. And um, would really like to see uh, what uh, DJ Chark does this last year, his contract. Uh, Urban Meyer has been spending time uh, with him, uh, in particular on an individual basis, uh, before the start of training camp practices uh, and everything. So um, that's a, a storyline I find very curious. 
Um, of course, there's a lot of talk about if uh, Tim Tebow makes the team as a tight end. No idea if he actually will or not. Um, there was uh, some clips of uh, him doing like a one-on-one battle with uh, one of the other tight ends, and uh, he lost. Uh, it was like a, a, a trench battle or something where you know they're lining up and doing blocking, and then the other tight end uh, threw him to the ground there. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, see uh, if Tim Tebow makes it to the final 53 roster uh, for the initial game, I guess. Um, and then, um, we'd like to see what the defense does. Um, you know, we have some players still on the, uh, the reserve list, uh, CJ Henderson last year's first round pick, uh, is supposed to be one of the best or number one cornerback or number two cornerback. So, uh, once he gets, uh, back into practice and gets reacclimated with the team, uh, want to see what he looks like. Um, especially since they used him to essentially replace, uh, Jalen Ramsey. So, We'll see what he does and I think um, uh, Shaq Griffin uh, should be uh, a really good player as well. And, uh, you, you know, I think he'll probably end up leading the team in turnovers. Potentially we'll see what happens, but uh, I think there's going to be a lot of surprises here for the Jags. Um, it's not going to be a one in 15 team like last year. Um, I, I think the over under is probably around six wins. Uh, so we'll see what there. I mean, I know some people think potentially a, a possible run at the playoffs uh, is one of the wild cards now that they've actually added an extra game and we have uh, going to have three wild cards. So I think that's going to be interesting. Um, definitely think um, they'll have at least six wins, possibly maybe um, seven to eight is probably the realistic uh, scenario. So um, definitely a very interesting thing uh, that will happen. And I think, uh, you know, for, for Jacksonville, I think uh, trajectory of their franchise is definitely on the up- upside and a lot of things to be excited about uh, for this season and beyond. Yeah, a lot to be excited for with the new coaching staff, with Trevor Lawrence, the, the youth that is there and the potential that is there. It's kind of resetting to where you were, hopefully where you were probably in like 2017 when you made the AFC Championship game. I mean... For the Niners, the talk is basically the quarterbacks, but there's also a lot of uh, news in regards to the defensive line. D Ford is actually healthy, it seems. Um, God willing, you know, I'm going to knock on whatever here because he can't stay healthy. Most of these guys can't see me. But, you know, D Ford's out there. Nick Bosa's out there. Their line is crazy good if they're healthy. But then that's just the case of the Niners in general. Um, Garoppolo's having an all right start to camp. It sounds like between coaches, players, and a whole bit that Trey Lance is a real deal. Kind of like what I was thinking and saying on here. Um, and it's a, it's almost like a matter of when, not more like when, not if, because he's got the talent skill gambling ability the whole bit and a great arm great accuracy um we'll see what happens jimmy g is working on things and he's feeling good um he's got positive mojo going but i think the receiving core the running back all this the lines more improved alex mack is going to make a big difference at the center position for the niners uh solidifying the the line in general because of Trent Williams and all that. Uh, but the defense, the cornerbacks are a little thin. Secondary is kind of thin. I mean, the safeties are all right, but cornerbacks going to be in position to watch with some of the rookies they have. And 
can never uh, count out Fred Warner, of course, who just signed a massive extension, one of the best middle linebackers in the game, um, guiding this defense right behind those defensive linemen. Uh, we'll get into more detail as we go. The weeks go on, get closer to football season. But, uh, Josh, did you have any time since you came back from vacation to do sim racing, or did you do any during your vacation? How did that whole work out? I mean, yeah, I, I didn't really have a – I mean, because I was – away from my house. I mean, I was in West Florida, uh, during my vacation and, uh, was in a condo, uh, next to the beach. So, uh, with my family, so didn't really have any opportunity to do any sim racing, but I mean, since, since then, I, I mean, I, the other night I did uh race with, um, uh, Charlotte in the 1987 cars, uh, you know, as usual, continue on with the 1987 cars. And that was a, um, tougher than what I expected, especially with, uh, the tire wear, and ended up wearing out the tires to the point where uh, the telemetry showed zero uh, percent on the right front, on the uh, inside, and the middle portions of the tread. Uh, so definitely uh, got to work on, or at least uh, you know, it shows how much you got to take care of the tires, especially these 1987 cars. Um, but really, uh, other than that, I haven't uh, really had much of an opportunity to get on eye racing this week, but. I mean, I've started getting into uh, Formula One uh, 2021, the game, um, and it's definitely an interesting uh, game to play for F1 racing. Definitely, you know, trying to learn more about the sport than when I see on TV and definitely helps understand, you know, more of the strategy um, and the driving techniques that you have to do uh, in Formula One that maybe, you know, the average American fan doesn't quite understand. So uh, definitely with the storyline, uh, or the story about there is also good. I mean, the you start out as a rookie winning the championship in GP2 or in Formula 2, and then you get uh, the choice to pick one of the, the lower teams in F1. Like, you get to pick um, Haas, uh, Alfa Tori, I think Williams, um, uh, Alfa Romeo, and I think there's another team I can't Aston remember. Aston Martin. Yeah, Aston Martin, yeah. And so I, I picked um, uh, Red Bull, or not Red Bull, I picked uh, Alfa Tori. And then they pair you with like a, a veteran yeah. there and uh, you're supposed to like the storyline is that you clash with the veteran all year uh, throughout various points. The first race is at Australia and um, I guess like you have to race up to your teammate and then uh, the story of the cutscene comes in and then it shows you you're um, you're about to go into I forget which turn it is, but you're, you're about to go into the corner. You're trying to make a move on your teammate, but then uh, one of the other guys behind you also gets a draft off of both of you guys or the um, the toe off of you guys, and then he tries to make it three wide. Then you lose it, hit your teammate. Your teammate spins out. You continue on, and then you know teammates pissed. And then throughout the year, that just builds up and up, and then eventually um, at the end of the season at Mexico City, uh, it turns out that you know, you're trying to pass uh, the the veteran, and then you both make contact, take each other out, you know, a la um, Verstappen and Ricardo at, at Baku a few years ago, kind of like that. And and then, you know, the cutscene cuts to the the team principal being pissed at you and your teammate. And then, um, you know, they, they go on from there and then you go on the next year and then you actually take on the veteran role and then you have to, um, I guess, play the veteran. So I'm on that part right now. But I did actually win a couple of races um, I guess on, on the, as the rookie. Um, but I mean, it wasn't like, it was on like one of the lower levels of difficulty. So, you know, trying to 
uh, learn the intricacies and handling of the, the formula one cars and the tracks as well. But even when you won races, like it would, it would tell you congrats for winning a race and, and stuff. And they like the, um, characters would be happy, but it didn't really change the, the storyline as well. Like, you know, even, even with all the conflicts and stuff, I feel like, you know, if you actually did good like, it should change the trajectory of the storyline and maybe they should account for that. So that's uh, something maybe to consider. I don't know, but, um, gotta, I guess, get into the other parts of the game. Um, cause I think you can also, um, there's another mode, I guess, where you can actually, um, run the whole season as one of the teams, or you can create your own driver or team and go through that. So probably need to try that as well. And then the, the multiplayer as well, uh, with that and get online with other people. I mean, I know, I know one of our other guests, I think Phil Spain, he's played it a couple of times and we got to hit him up and race him, I guess on F1 2021 or something like that. Maybe try to work something out soon or whenever, uh, we all have free time, but, uh, definitely interesting game, uh, to play. Um, you know, and, uh, the one thing that I wish I could do is use my wheel, uh, with it, uh, but it's not compatible. So I'm kind of stuck with the controller until I can find a workaround, uh, for that, which maybe I might, uh, figure out something for that, but, uh, still definitely a, a great game to play. Definitely, um, for everybody, whether you're, you know, high, hardcore F1 fan or somebody that's trying to just learn the sport, uh, as a new fan and, you know, learn the drivers and learn all the tracks and all that stuff. Yeah, F1 2020 it got my attention and made me think about getting a new system because of how involved it is. And I mean, not you have to run it with a wheel and pedals and a little bit for it to really be good. So I mean, I, that's something that isn't anywhere close. But at a minimum, getting the game and being able to experiment would be something I would like to do, and hopefully we'll be able to do soon enough. But that's something to work on, hopefully, for, um, you know, I think that's something we'll work on here, probably for Christmas or whatever. But we'll see on that, and we'll keep in, uh, keep uh, checking in with you, man, in regards to your sim exploits, both on console or on the computer. Um, before we go tonight, Josh, uh, where can we find you on social media and and your Twitch stream, the whole bit like that? Yeah, as usual, uh, you can find me uh, Twitter at JP Huffine, and you know, so we'll talk about F1, we'll talk about Indy cars, and talk about NASCAR. So, I mean, Indy car, NASCAR, will be on discussion this weekend as both those uh, races or series return uh, to action, and you know, of course, other things, maybe uh, talk about other stuff on there too. And then also the Twitch streams uh, will be on there as well at Twitch TV uh, slash Sailor 2 And, you know, it's where I'll have mostly just iRacing right now. Um, probably try to set up the console to uh, do some Twitch streaming. So you know, whenever I play F1 2021, you can watch that there and uh, commentate on that as well. So try to uh, get that one set up too. So you can see all the stuff, not just iRacing there on Twitch. Yeah, and you can follow me on twitter at philip g matthew you can uh follow the grip strip pod uh grip strip podcast at grip strip pod on twitter um you can find the grip strip podcast on apple Podcasts, amazon music spotify Podbean, pandora um 
iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, basically wherever you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Rip Strip podcast. Uh, we do it once a week. We talk about all racing, that any type of racing that you can remember or think of. Talk about it here as long as it goes fast. We talk about football as well. We can get in more detail, especially on fantasy side, because we're both in the Fall Brawl League, uh, trying to get the belt and the ring uh, this year, for sure. So thanks to you all for listening this week on the Rift Pod. Uh, thanks to Josh um, for all the great um, content and takes. And for having, I'm glad that you had a good vacation. We're able to relax and get back into the routine of things. And now that we're back into this routine with things getting busier, we'll have plenty to discuss. We'll have IndyCar in Nashville. We'll have NASCAR at Watkins Glen. We'll have um, stuff in, in the world of motorsports to discuss, some silly season things, football, uh, the whole bit. We'll talk about it here on the Grip Strip Podcast. So, Take care of one another. Take care of yourself. Um, stay safe. Stay vigilant. And don't uh, fall for the BS in regards to certain things, especially with health. Um, take care. God bless. And uh, good night.